Have you ever wondered how to make literacy and language fun from early on? How to make reading fun from early on? Join me today as we talk with Allie Young, and she explains how she teaches kids in her learning lab. She also says the wait-and-see approach is the wait-to-fail approach. Join in to understand why. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned, because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Here is a short, sweet review from Engineering Leadership Solutions. She writes easy to apply ideas and gives five stars. She says, Dina Lynn provides bite-sized tips that I can put into action. And that is so valuable. Thank you so much, Engineering Leadership Solutions. Um, I'm so glad you feel like you can put these things right into action. And this review is something that you will see reflected today because today's guest, Allie Young, will also give us bite-sized pieces, lots of them, to help you understand how it is that we teach reading and language and literacy. So thank you very much, Engineering Leadership Solutions, for your review. And if you have not left a review, um, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and scroll down to where it says, write a review in little purple letters. It's right below the stars, um, a little bit below the stars. And then click there, and I appreciate it so, so much. The reviews written allow other people to find my show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Language of Play. Today, I have Allie Young with me. Um, You typically are here because you have kiddos that have speech and language needs. Oftentimes, when our kiddos have speech and language needs, they also have needs in other areas. Allie's background is in psychology and sociology, and that led her to explore her passion for education and learning by teaching in various settings, ranging from private to public and charter schools. In every school, Allie noticed that there were always kids who struggled with the material, not because they weren't smart, 
or they weren't trying, but because the approach was wrong. Ellie knows struggling learners because she's been there. She has seen how the system can fail. And so many children learn because so many children learn differently. And she decided to do something about it. She is now the owner of Learning Lab, where she supports struggling learners. And Allie Young is with us here today on the language of play. So Allie, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to share my story. Thank you so much. What ages do you typically deal with um, on this podcast? Most of my parents have kiddos between two and 12. I imagine that uh, you've got some of those same kiddos too. Yeah, I would say our average student ranges between um, seven to 12. We do um, work with some students that are a little bit younger and the two to five range is really where a lot of these early signs come come to come into play. So um, mm -hmm. uh, even though we usually work with students at that six, seven up to 12, um, it's so important for parents to be aware of the early signs, even when kids are two to, to four, two, three, I, four. Five. I love that you bring that up because we don't think about our children as readers when they're two years old. And yet you're right. As a speech path, I also see some of those signs that we just know that reading may well become a struggle because language and reading are hand in hand. What do you see as some of those signs between two and four? Well, like you mentioned earlier, before we even started talking is the speech delay, um, a really early sign. So dyslexia is primarily what we work. We work with students with dyslexia and ADHD. Uh, my biggest passion is really the early detection and early signs of dyslexia. Um, and one of those very early signs is language, the language delays, because dyslexia is a language processing difference. Oh, I'm um, so glad you bring that up because so many yeah. people think it's just reading and it isn't. Oh, yeah. It's language. No. Yes, it is based. Go yeah. ahead. And uh, a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, there's so much miscommunication and misunderstanding and misconceptions and myths and all these things about what dyslexia is and isn't. Um, and so it's really my passion to educate families on what it is and what it isn't. Um, it's not all about seeing things backwards or seeing, you know, letters backwards and reversals and things like that. It's truly deeper in the brain and how the brain is wired to impact language processing. So we have things that's, that can be detected very young, like those speech delays or talking with baby talk a little too long or having speech impediments, things like that are, are all really early signs that, that, and the early intervention is so important to, um, to be able to remediate these, these gaps as early as possible. Yes. Yes. I love that. And so parents, when you hear this kind of thing and you're wondering how it is that you can get involved to enhance the language and to build language with your kiddos, go back into many other episodes. I'll put some in the show note to link for you. Go ahead, yeah. Allie, and explain some of the things that you do with those kiddos that actually come to you. Sure. So um, I, just going back to those early signs, there's also things that can be detected like, and I'm sure you know this as a speech pathologist, but issues with um, rhyming, issues with, um, you know, remembering nursery rhymes, things like that. So those are all the important things to kind of pick up on early, the earlier, the better. And when hopefully when we get the kiddos, ideally they're about six or seven, and we can truly or 
you know, even five or six, and we can truly lay the groundwork for strong foundational literacy, language and literacy skills from the beginning. Um, that is where we get the best results. Fantastic. Now, when you're talking about language and literacy, and you're talking about like Dr. Seuss, because you're talking about rhyming and all of that, um, I'm going to make the assumption that you're doing an awful lot with phonological awareness. And yes. Okay. And then when I get kiddos that are very young, we do what we call phonemic awareness. And yes. I, okay. You're nodding. Like, you know, the difference you're speaking my too. language. Okay. Yes. Well, yes. then just go yes. ahead. I'll let you have the floor because this yes, is that... such an important piece for parents to understand why they need to play with sounds. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and you can make it play, right? These kids are, are little, like, you know, said like two, three, four, five-year-olds may, you can make it fun. And the most important part is that phonemic awareness. So understanding that we have sounds and sounds can be manipulated. So just playing with the sound, mm, and then adding ah, mm, ah, understanding that when you add a at the end, mm, ah, makes map. Now, what if we change the m mm to a s? Now, what word do we have? Now we have sap. So phonemic awareness is the ability to manipulate those sounds and hear those sounds and process those sounds without ever even seeing a letter. Right. Um, and you can make it so fun. You know, you can make it a, a hopping activity with, with tiles on the floor. You can make it, um, you know, something you do with sidewalk chalk. With these young kids, there's so many great creative ways to really make sure that they are understanding these sounds and how to manipulate them from the beginning to the middle to the end. Absolutely. I love that. And one of the things that you did not bring up for the little ones is that what we call the grapheme. And that would be when you um, parents, when you uh, make the shape of the letter and you say that letter that goes with that shape. So if I make a squiggly line, we call it an S and those come later, maybe the kids in kindergarten or first grade, whatever. And we're, we're saying the name of the letter and the sound of the letter to represent that shape that they see. But that goes into phonological awareness, which is right. a step beyond our phonemic awareness. Phonemic awareness, if you are in the two to five range, this is exactly what you are going to be doing. And if you're in the five and beyond, you're going to be adding that phonological awareness, which is the big word right. that attaches that symbol. The symbol. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah. And, that, and that's really what it is for these kids. You know, you refer to it as a shape. And that's really what it is, whether there's dyslexia or not, there's, there's these, these arbitrary symbols that we give meaning to, but really for them, it's a shape. And when we make this, this shape, then we eventually tell them this shape is the, is the one that matches with. This so sound. they know yeah. that now they have this symbol and they can match the sound to symbol. And when they can effectively do that from a young age, or those are the pre-literacy skills that are going to help them become lifelong readers and successful readers. Um, and so what we do is we try to build those foundational skills using following the science of reading, following the explicit instruction and really multi-sensory instruction with the foundational skills from phonemic awareness to phonics and all, building all those, those laying the blocks, the foundational blocks. Um, but ideally, it shouldn't just be an intervention for a kid with dyslexia or a kid who's struggling. This is really the best, the best standard, the gold standard of instruction for all early learners to learn how to read this way. 
Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you are so right. Now let's take, because I think you did a good job to define, first we've got that phonemic awareness and then we've got phonological awareness. You added on the idea of phonics onto that. Mm-hmm. Now I want to park that sound system development aside for a minute. And when you're talking about language delay, we're talking often about vocabulary. And our sophisticated word for that is our semantics. Our vocabulary changes meaning when we put it in a different context. So we can have the same word and it can mean different things in different contexts. And I know that our kiddos with language delay get really tripped up on that. Um, I'm, I'm making an assumption here that I think is probably accurate to assume. You do a lot with vocabulary. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You would have to. (laughs) Because, and you know, and it's so funny because, you know, typically the kids that we that get that are older, third grade, fourth grade, mm-hmm. um, that have been struggling with reading for so long, the, the vocabulary just gets kicked to the wayside and goes on the back burner when really the, the vocabulary is the key to comprehension. And, and it's so important for kids to be able to, even if they are behind in their ability to decode, that they're still always building the vocabulary skills, whether it's through audiobooks or communication strategies, but definitely so important because if you don't have those vocabulary words, if you're, your listening comprehension is not going to be there, and then eventually when you can decode, now we have the vocabulary to pick up with, and uh, that's usually something that they're behind with as well. Right. And in Speech Path, one of the things that we uh, are told that Um, 95% of the success of a student in reading and academic success as a whole is vocabulary dependent. So we want to build as much, I mean, isn't that huge? That's what I've been taught. I don't know where that number comes from or how powerful is. Nonetheless, it's a powerful statistic. So I want you to say, um, or rather, I want you to identify a word for our parents. You said decode. Would you tell our parents what that means? Sure. So like I said before, these symbols for for many of our young readers are completely arbitrary. They don't have meaning. And so we have to give explicit tools for these readers to be able to decode this mystifying language. So being a, so decode is a fancy teacher term for reading, being able to see, a, you know, to start off with three letters, whether, you know, let's use the map word again for another example, being able to see the mm, the ah, the p, and to say, okay, mm, ah, p, map, map. So we are decoding, we are segmenting, we are blending. Um, and those are all the skills that a reader needs to have to be able to read just a basic three letter consonant, vowel, consonant word. And then of course we get a, it gets a little more intense as the different types of syllables are being taught. Now we have a silent E at the end. So now it changes the vowel sound. So these things have to be taught very explicitly and systematically and hopefully using a multi-sensory approach so that children truly can pull the tools out of their toolbox to say, hmm, I know this kind of syllable, this is a tricky one, but I know how to use my strategies and my tools to decode this word. I love it. So today we've talked about um, phonemic awareness, phonological awareness, (laughs) some phonics and some decoding and how vocabulary plays in the learning, particularly with a student that has 
learning struggles. But this is also, like you said, the gold standard for anybody that's going to be teaching. So homeschoolers out there, think about this. This is a great resource. And it is also um, the gold standard. And think about, like, make sure you hit on all of these different things. So I'm going to switch gears for a little bit. You also address ADHD. And actually, um, you know, like I love doing language learning, language teaching, all that kind of stuff to focus on with my episodes. Um, I do not have much on ADHD yet. Would you tell us the impact of ADHD on the learner when they're trying to learn to read and yeah, and do language? Sure. So there's a few totally different ways that ADHD can impact reading and learning as a whole. So for when we talk about comprehension for a child with ADHD, they may be able to decode. They may, you know, if they're truly able to catch on to the, the instruction, but typically these kids with ADHD are struggling to comprehend what they read. And that can be for a couple of reasons. It could be simply they are word calling. So they're reading the words, but they're not thinking about what they're reading. So mm-hmm. metacognition, um, or they're reading the words, but they're not, they're not creating the concept imagery. So they're not creating the images in their mind's eye while they're reading. Um, and another reason could be truly just inattentiveness. They're reading it, but they were thinking about what they're having for lunch while they're reading about the giraffe, you know, at the zoo. So, um, so there's a lot of reasons. And that's why we do a deep dive with our students to, to determine why is this child, whether it's ADHD uh, inattentive, hyperactive, whatever it is, why specifically is this child struggling with comprehension? It's, and it's usually comprehension for the kids that are just ADHD. Um, another, another issue could be truly like the executive functioning skills, the ability to have task management, task initiation, the ability to focus and, and hone in on what they're doing, um, being able to plan out their thoughts, understanding how to highlight things as the kids get older. Um, so there's a lot of the executive functioning skills, um, the concept imagery, the inattentiveness, and overall just the ability to think about your thoughts while you're reading, which is a huge thing that we tell our, our students all the time. What a great description. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, what you're talking about makes all the difference in our kiddos to be able to understand what it is that they've been reading. When you have kiddos with ADHD and they come into your program, um, how does their program differ from the kiddo that has dyslexia beyond just helping your kids to think about what it is that they're reading and get their attention on their own task? How do you do it? Well, like I said, I, I truly believe that the decoding piece is, is crucial for everybody. So mm-hmm. when we do our intake assessment and we create an individualized protocol for each child, some of those kids that are struggling with reading really are really do need to go back to the basics because they weren't taught appropriately with strong foundational decoding strategies like phonemic awareness and phonological processing and things like that. So sometimes we do have to go back to the basics regardless of the diagnosis. Or um, the age. But I would say for <laughs> the age, right? I mean, truly a fourth grader might need to go back to phonemic awareness if they're not truly decoding. Right. Um so, but if let's say a child is be, is able to decode, they're able to, you know, figure out these multisyllabic words, but they're truly, truly struggling with the comprehension piece. Yes, their one-on-one time will look completely different than a child who's really, truly struggling with the decoding piece. They would be really focusing on 
reading passages and understanding what's important, understanding how to stop and think. We call them think about it. So understanding, okay, let's stop and think. What do you think that looked like? What, what does that mean to you? Training them to stop and think about their thoughts while they read and, and really under helping them understand that that's why we read. We're reading to learn. We're reading to to create these movies in our heads. Um, and a lot of kids are like, really? I didn't know we were supposed to do that. So, and we as adults <laughs> go to the movies and we see, you know, we go to a movie that we, we just read the book and we're like, that's not how I pictured that character. So many kids are missing that piece that makes reading enjoyable. Or if it's nonfiction, that helps us to learn from what we read. Um, and we also work with some students that have ADHD that are truly struggling with that other piece that I call that I referred to as the executive functioning skills, where we'll have maybe just help them through their homework process. Some of these kids don't know, they're able to do the grade level material, but some of these students truly don't know how to get started or what they should do first, or you know how to set these goals throughout the week. They're just, there's this homework load on top of them and they just feel like they're drowning with that, with those strategies to plan and prioritize and dive into the task at hand. So, um, so yes, we definitely differentiate the and prioritize each child's individual protocol based on their individual needs. Very good. <laughs> oh, it's so good to hear what you're doing. These things are are so important for our kiddos. And I love how you have identified like what it is that our kiddos with ADHD need, but yet when you describe it, it is truly what all kids need. You're just calling attention to it maybe a little bit more plainly and a little bit more often and tearing it apart a little bit more for our kids totally. with ADHD. So yep. now I'm going to have us rivet back to the early days with ADHD. And given the time, this might be your last question, um, unless you have something else to add. But in the early years, so let's go back to that two to five, you know, because we've talked about the school age. In that two to five, what parents watch out for? What advice would you give to parents in that those early ages? First, maybe when you think, oh, is it ADHD? Because frankly, all kids in that age have a poor attention span. And that is one of the skills that we need to teach them. Absolutely. My best advice for parents when you're when you know you're in that early two to five range is make literacy and language fun. Mm-hmm. Make it play, make it playful, make it enjoyable, make it engaging, make it a connection time, reading together, making books something that's that's just a joy. Putting the, you know, having books out and and making them silly and playful. I think if, you know, building that positive association with reading and language and literacy is the most important thing from the get-go, right? So it's not just like, okay, now we're after now we have to read. It's time to, to read now. It's just, you know, really that that association from, from when the brain is really forming so rapidly, building those positive associations from a young age is so, so important. And I always say that, you know, if you do feel something in your gut, you feel something may be off or a concern, there's, it never hurts to just get an assessment or get it, ask an expert. Um, you know, getting, I, I remember when my daughter's preschool, she was like two years old, they were doing speech evaluations. I did not truly have any concerns at the time. Um, but I just thought to myself, why not? Why not? I'm not a speech pathologist. I'm very good at what I do, but why not have my daughter just get checked out? Why not? You know, cause the best case scenario, they say everything's fine. Worst case scenario, 
they find something is is a concern and they help her. So, you know, there's just a win-win in my in my eyes. I always say to just be proactive, ask the experts and and listen to to what the experts are guiding you on because they usually have um positive intentions to help your child succeed. Absolutely. Yes. And um you mentioned um, something that I want to highlight, and that is how playful you want it to be. And you said another thing that I want to highlight, and that is that you said, why not bring your child in to have them assessed? Now, I want to comment because many times I have experienced that parents haven't brought their children in early because they have this idea that if they were doing good enough, their children would be doing fine. Now, you and I both know that that isn't true, and yet that's a feeling, a thought that so many parents have that causes parents to delay getting the help or getting the advice or listening to a podcast or or seeking information from you, whatever. Can you speak to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that... Um never wait and see. The wait and see approach is the wait to fail approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that taking early action, and like I said before, the worst thing they could, you know, at the end of the day, like maybe they just say, nope, everything's okay, you know, carry on. But like the best case scenario could be that they do find something that needs to be remediated or something that needs to be worked on. And when a child, the younger a child is, the sooner and quicker you're going to see results with this, with any type of, of expert support. So I definitely advise parents to never wait and see, always take action, always be proactive. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Allie, for being with me today. Um, you My have pleasure. provided, yeah, you've provided lots and lots of valuable insights for my parents in this program. And I think that Um, They will say that a lot of what you've said, they've heard a little bit about, but you summarized it so well. Now, before you go, um, tell them where they can contact you if you would, if you would. Yes. Sure. So my email address is Allie, A-L-Y at learninglabfl.com. We're in Florida, so FL like Florida. Uh And also we share a lot of empowering and informational um, content on our Instagram, which is Learning Lab FL on Instagram. So feel free to follow us to learn more about those early signs and the myths and misconceptions of dyslexia and ADHD. Thank you for what you're doing for parents. Thank you for your yes, help. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the information you put out. It's so valuable. And listeners, you will find all of her details in my show notes so that if you choose to contact her and get involved, then Allie, um, you, you can do that from my show notes. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community, where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.